0: Hey, how are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? First of all, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. I'm your host, Josh Belcher, and let me tell you, it is a thrill and I consider it an honor and a privilege to do this podcast, and I'm really grateful to all you that listen to it. Uh, This week has been a really great, productive, awesome, fun, positive week as the world is starting to slowly but surely reopen. Uh, went to the Goodwill, went to Walmart, uh, went to the store, uh, felt a little bit normal. Uh, a lot of good things happening and uh, most importantly got to go see my grandfather, 80 years old, celebrating 61 years of marriage with my grandmother. Now if I've never told you before, my grandfather Bill is uh, the greatest human being I've ever known. He uh, Anything I do that's good. Or try to conduct business in a manlike fashion. I learned from my grandfather. He has loved my grandmother with all her heart and his entire family for sixty plus years, setting the tone. He didn't deny my grandmother anything. He didn't deny me or my cousin anything either, or my aunt uh, or my dad. Just uh, a great man. Went to work, kept his nose to the grindstone. Man of little words, but when he spoke or speaks, it's very important. Just. Uh, Great man, and I thank God that I get to spend time with him. He's still alive at 80. Uh, my grandmother turned 81, and unfortunately, she isn't in a nursing home. Cannot visit because of COVID-19. Didn't want my precious grandfather to be blue, so I tried to go sit with him, spend some time, and uh, shared some laughs. Uh, he's doing okay. Uh, he's got dementia a little bit. Um, I don't know to what extreme. I'm not a doctor, but he's in and out. Uh, from time to time, not, not terribly bad, at least when I'm around him, no, no, not too many spells, but had a good conversation. Got to spend some time together with him and my family and just celebrate the fact that uh, he has set the tone for how to be a man and how to love uh, a spouse and just how to, you know, win at life. Uh, he's been doing it for 80 plus. My grandmother's birthday was today as well. They got married on her birthday, she just turned 81. He'll be 81 in September. Uh, greatest guy ever, congratulations to him. Uh, many more, and um, I just uh, really love him and love celebrating life with him. Great man. Uh, Not only that, oh my gosh, the guest we have this week, fan-freaking-tastic, Mike Watford, he plays producer Rick Hall in the Aretha Franklin biopic, Respect, talked to him about being in that movie, good, awesome interview, great stuff there. We've got Alexandra Kay, a young lady singer-songwriter. has got a new song called Dive Bar Dreamer. Check that bad boy out. I'm going to go ahead and predict it. Uh, 2020 or 2021's Breakthrough Country Brand New Artist of the Year. Uh, As soon as they find out about her, she's going to just go to the tippy top like a bottle rocket that doesn't fizz out. just goes all the way to the stratosphere. More power to her. Uh, Can't wait to tell you I told you so. But jump on the bandwagon. I already have. Stand-up cowboy comedian, William Lee Martin, also on deck, lending his talents, talking to us about the stuff he's got going on, how he's kept his sanity during this lockdown, uh, and how he interacts with his fans. Uh, just all-around hilarious, clean cowboy comedian. Great guy. Really enjoyed speaking with him. Uh, and Most importantly, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Without you, uh, there's no point in doing it. Um, It's really a great outlet for me. I love it with all my heart and soul. I feel blessed and privileged to get to speak to people that interest me and just spend every week going through Uncharted territory. That's why I named it Uncharted Podcast, because it's like mapping out something or going out in the ocean before not knowing where you're going. Every interview, every time I talk to somebody, it's Uncharted. Learn something new. Learn something different. Very, very exciting. So without further ado, let's get this party started. The Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Thank you so much, and away we go. Very special guest on the podcast, and I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. It's either 2020 or 2021's country music breakout new artist of the year whatever the award they call it alexandra k is gonna get it okay i don't know who hands it out what powers it be vote on it but she's got my vote and if the rest of the world hears her they're gonna have it too check out her new tune dive bar dreamer wherever you listen to musica had an interview with her that is up next on the josh belcher uncharted podcast enjoy
1: First of all, thanks for taking the time. Um, like I said, became a fan through your social media. You really know how to give your all for a song. And uh, you got a fan in me. And let's let's talk about this uh, new one you've got, uh, Dive Bar Dreamer. Well, it's kind of new. It's on uh, your TV show, right? And then you decided to release it. Or how did that go?
2: Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And, and yes. um, I was so excited to release Dive Bar Dreamer, especially since it was a song that I've had kind of in my pocket for a long time and um, I was able to give it its first life on the Netflix original series I was in called West Side. And mm-hmm. the fans reacted so great to it that I was like, I got to get this song out. Um, and I took it to my producer, Andrew Capra in Nashville, and, and we got it done and I was so excited to release it.
1: That That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's well done. And uh, and thanks to to seeing this song and learning about this because autobiographical as i read uh, i i didn't know this because of course i'm late to the game but i didn't even know netflix was really doing like reality-based shows got like, to check this one out and that was pretty cool uh how did you come to be a part of it
2: well thanks yeah it was actually one of the first of its kind so it sure, was, really yeah. cool to, was really cool to be a part of something that really had no blueprint so we were we were just learning as we go and i think it made us um closer as a cast and um and it was it was a really crazy experience so i had just come back in 2017 from season 13 of the voice nice. and um i did not get a chair to turn so i was pretty oh. i was pretty devastated um after being out there for for a month and and making all the friends and then um you know my time was cut short so i got home and and i had friends that were calling me and and telling me how they did and how they were they were um you know, progressing in the show and I really wanted to be there and um I was kind of just in that point when I was like god why why did I go all the way out there you know yeah. to just to be turned down and and then 30 days later I got a phone call from um from one of my producers or one of the producers of Westside and they had seen my Jolene video and um I went through all of the casting process via Skype from my house in Illinois and they were in LA and and uh, about a month after that I got the call that I was in so that was awesome. really
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so glad because you are such a talented singer and, you know, listening to a lot, I'm not just saying that to blow smoke on you, but, you know, the soul you put into it, it really shines through. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, when one door seemed to slam shut, another one opened for you. So that's, that is an awesome story. Thank I'm glad you. Thanks for your out Jolene. It takes a lot to do that song because Dolly is the quain, as we call it in Nashville. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, uh, What what is your origin story as far as music? Um, And, like, are you from southern Illinois? Because you don't have that thick uh, northern accent, like some of them. Like, I know I have a hillbilly accent. You don't sound like – I mean, is it southern Illinois where you're at?
2: Well, we're actually right on the line there between um, – with Illinois and and, uh, Missouri. So I'm actually only about 45 minutes from St. Louis, Missouri.
1: I hear you. Yeah, Um, so – That's So I think that's why
2: I don't have the accent either way. I'm kind of neutral, right? I'm like right in the middle. You got a little bit of that, that river, that
1: river accent right there in the middle. Yeah, I hear you. Um, and plus, you know, there are certain parts like uh, I went to Metropolis not too long ago and that's just a hop and skip over a bridge from Kentucky, so it's kinda like all there in the middle.
2: Right. Yep. I think yeah. I, I think it takes me about three hours to get to, to Kentucky, so
1: Groovy. Yes, yeah, so you're not too so far. So, so you spend a lot of time coming back and forth to Nashville. That's probably a lot of commute time there for you.
2: Yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that actually before coronavirus and before we had the stay at home <laughs> order. I was uh I was going to Nashville. It's about a four-and-a-half-hour drive for me. I was going there on Mondays every Uh week, and I was um, going there, getting all my co-writes in, all my meetings, and recording some new music, and I was going there Monday through Thursday. I would drive home. I'd play Friday and Saturday. I would spend Sundays with my fiance, and I'd go back to Nashville on Monday. Wow. So I was kind of ready for a little bit of a break. So this came at the right time. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was like, that sounds exhausting just you talking about it. Wow. It was. A lot, a lot of one at time. But, I, <laughs> hey, you got a dream and you're chasing it. That's uh, fantastic. That um, that was going to lead me to uh, what I was going to ask you, because you're being very active on social media and everything. Is that what you're doing, like, in place? So obviously, are you having to cancel shows, or are your shows late enough in the summer and everything where you haven't had to cancel any yet?
2: yeah so i've actually been I've been very active on social media it's been It's been um, how i've grown everything that I have and gotten a lot of really cool opportunities since about two thousand mm-hmm. and fifteen um, and and so that wasn't it was really nothing new when we started having to switch over from doing live shows in bars and venues to going to just doing live shows on Facebook. We had been doing that for the past three years anyway, so it wasn't really very new to us, but um, as active as I am on social media, I am also just as active as getting out and playing live shows, so I did mm-hmm. have to cancel about three months worth of, the shows.
1: Oh, man, that's, that's terrible, and now, do you like so many people, do you have a, a link when you perform so people can, like, help you out as far as, like, uh, like, 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 uh, donations or, like, a tip jar or something like that? You know, I do. People? Yeah,
2: I do. I've actually been doing that for the past few years as well, since we have so many fans, I have so many fans, um, that are all over the world. And it's just, as much as we love to go on the road and we love to tour, um, you know, it's not always financially feasible. Um, you know what it's like, you know, to kind of go out on the road and, and, um, it's expensive, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to travel and, um, it's hard to, to get the the amount of money that it takes to go to some of these places. So, I mean, we obviously haven't been able to afford to go to Australia or, or um, the UK, which is where we have a lot of fans, Ireland as well. And I think that, uh, that, that's when we decided to start doing Facebook live shows for all of those people a few years ago. And, and, um, and it, it kind of, has stayed, we've stayed true to it and it's been great it was a good warm up for right now when every Friday we do it now so
1: yeah that's all yeah that's great and like I said I was, I was telling you a little bit earlier before I started recording I watched you do uh collecting dust and like i said that that kind of moved me to tears is that is that an original of yours
2: thank you it is yeah I wrote it actually about um after my grandpa died
3: oh
1: man. And, um,
2: I had gone back to my grandma 's house and she hadn't moved anything and everything smelled like him still and it was just i mean his shoes were still there you know by the door and i mean it was like it was like he was never gone and so um i haven't lost anybody um uh, i haven't lost you know my person you know the love of my life and and uh-huh. so i don't know what that's like i obviously was very hurt losing my grandpa but i couldn't imagine being in her shoes and so i wrote a song about how i thought that that she might be feeling and and as soon as she heard it she she broke down, you know, it's her, it's her sure. favorite song. And I think it was a good kind of um, sentiment to him and, and, and to her and their, their love. So,
1: well, uh, let me go ahead and give you a compliment with that. It's, it's a true country song because not only can you feel it, but uh, it took me back to a heartbreak and I, I love the origin story, but the way you talk about, you know, uh, everything collecting and not being moved, uh, you know, a lot of people can experience that. So that's a, that's a dynamite. Uh, uh, piece of work that you've got there and, and i really am glad i got to hear it before it sells a million copies so maybe well, i can get an autograph from you, on you one day yeah because I, I loved it i was like blown away because like i'm a pretty upbeat guy and i listen to that and i'm sitting here i'm going <laughs> <"I've been there." laughs> well thank
2: you i mean that honestly it means so much especially since um i do kind of have that more storyteller kind of style of writing because that's what i grew up Listening to, and that's why I fell in love with country music, and I wanted to kind of stay true to that. And so, um, I really want you, when you listen to my music, I want people to see things as much as they're hearing and feeling. And I want you to be able to kind of picture everything, um, just by listening to the lyrics. And so I'm really happy that I, that I've grown to have that ability to paint the picture as much as I have, um, grown the ability to be able to kind of convey those emotions with with the way that I'm singing the song as well so um all any compliment like that really I take it to heart and I appreciate it so much
1: well you write true feelings like another Illinois native and that's old John Prime so you've got that kind of talent and you, it must be coming <laughs> in the water up there so
2: oh um, man I love I love that that's going to be uh, my next actual my next cover video is going to be Angel from Montgomery so
1: oh my uh, gosh
2: yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Though. I'm excited
1: about that. Um, but
2: yeah,
1: that's awesome. Hey, that'll be that'll be a perfect and a moving tribute. What, what a man he was. But um, yeah. I okay. I saw you said something about you, you're putting out four four songs. Are they going to be different songs that we've heard already, or have you already added some of that, or what was that story you just posted not too long ago?
2: Yeah, so um, I I released Dive Bar Dreamer April 3rd, and and the fans yep. have been so so amazing when it comes to supporting that song and I know that they had been waiting for it for a while and I actually decided um uh, we were we were thinking about pushing it back my team and I because uh, to kind of be sensitive to what was going on and and um you know I, I made the phone call to my distributor and they said there was no way to push it back so we went ahead and we trucked forward with it and and um I was really happy to have still gotten the reaction that I did but unfortunately it did kind of affect um the way i was going to release the next three songs and um i was supposed to have i kind of don't which is my next single coming out may 1st but um it's looking like it's going to be the end of the may, the end of the month um the mm-hmm. end of may yeah. uh, beginning of june so um but that's totally fine I, i'm i'm so proud of this song and it's honestly one of my favorite songs i've ever written and um and i, I can't wait for everybody to hear it
1: yeah, that's awesome. We're looking forward to it. And, hey, uh, yeah, right now everything is so backwards. I mean, you don't even know up from down. They're about to reopen the world, so we're going to see how that pans out. But uh, music's definitely keeping most of us going, especially a guy that lives close to Music City. That's that's pretty much what keeps me afloat. But, right. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's uh, – everybody, you know, I know that you're, you're fairly new, but, uh, you know, you're still climbing and getting more popular. For the mainland people here in the United States, uh, tell them about your socials and how they can check you out if they want to listen to your. Sure. Or to before, yeah.
2: Sure. I'd love for you guys to check me out. Um, I have new music coming out, and I also post cover videos, um, every week. So I would love it if you guys could check that out. It's at Alexandra K Music on Instagram. Facebook is Alexandra K. They're both the verified accounts, and, and then um, um, and then I have a TikTok, Alexandra K Music, and my website is official.com
0: Wow, you're all over the place. And hey. <laughs> Fortunate enough to talk to stand up comedian William Lee Martin this week. He's hilarious. He's a cowboy. Where's a cowboy hat. Um, anyway, we talked to him about what he's doing to keep his sanity, to how he's participating on social media, interacting with his fans daily, to the time he performed with and even introduced on stage King George, old George Strait, and his contributions to getting cowboy hats to children going through cancer. An all around funny, hilarious guy, and a great. Human being as well. It was a thrill to get to talk to him. That's up next on Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Enjoy.
1: William Lee Martin on the phone with me. Absolutely hilarious. Thank you for taking the time to talk to my little podcast here in Nashville.
3: Really a privilege on my end. Thank you. You bet, Josh. You know, it's. Uh, uh, I, I'm very uh, remiss that I, I missed you a couple of times on this thing. We had it scheduled. And, and uh, you know, it. For a guy that's not doing anything, I seem to be busy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey,
3: it's absolutely okay. I've I've talked to other people and they they say you
1: know for someone that's used to being on the road and doing things, the busiest they've been is being at home. I've got all kind of stuff going on, so I mean it's totally understandable.
3: My wife has had a laundry list of to do list, and it, you know I'm gonna need a uh, I'm gonna need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> so. I hear that. I well, am built to tell jokes for a living and not be the handyman around here.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I uh, uh, I understand that totally. Uh, I actually, this is funny, for a living, I deliver paint for Sherwin Williams, and I haven't had a day off yet. So that's oddly enough considered essential, but more people are buying paint than I've ever fathomed in my lifetime from working there.
3: So I'm constantly delivering it to houses and industrial sites, you name it would well, uh you didn't know this but uh I I'm an ex paint man myself. I'm a glidden paint guy from way back. Oh yeah. Yeah, I started out in the back of a warehouse tint and paint in a uh in a Fort Worth and went on to be a uh national uh, uh account manager for the Kmart account for the southern region oh, wow. about 150 years ago.
1: I hear it. Now was this the, the job you had before like according to your site where you decided to stop and pursue
3: comedy? No, uh coming out uh you know, out of high school I, I, I got a scholarship in and uh in music and playing drums and I did that and then and then uh uh I didn't go to school anymore and and uh then my son came along and, and when they put him in my arms I guess in November, uh I looked at down at him. and knew that I needed more, and I needed more education.
0: Uh-huh.
3: And uh, I talked to my wife, and we decided that I was going to go back to college. So uh, I worked full time at at uh, Glidden, and uh, went to school full time at night, and uh, finished up the school. and uh, And then uh, I started writing advertising after I, I left uh, Glidden, and then I wrote for Color Tile, and then, then the Mart advertisement, and then uh when I was 29, almost 30, I lost my job in advertising and, and we found comedy. I hear you. Well, we're glad you did cause you got some of the funniest stuff I've ever
1: seen in my life. There's not a day I don't watch a clip or something where it just makes my cheeks hurt. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And then uh, I'm going to bounce around. Like I said, I have adult ADHD, which is a nightmare. But, uh, you know, if you need to stop and just let me know. I just want to say, first of all, I appreciate you, you know, every every day taking the time to talk to people because some people definitely need it and it gets your mind off of all the hustle and bustle so that's really exciting that you do that i know a lot of people appreciate it and i'm one of them so i just think that's really cool uh what made you decide to do that i know you're going to do it through this crisis but is that was that the
3: main influence behind it just uh, having something to do or what well uh it started out i was you know when when this all happened you know obviously we lost all of our work too and uh Uh, you know, we were at a loss just like everybody else. And my wife was like, well, what are you, what are you going to do now that you're here? Uh And, and, uh, you know, that first week or so there were people already starting to get online and trying to rework it and, and that kind of thing. And, and some of that appealed to me and then some of it didn't. And then I I decided I was going to just do 24 hours, uh, in a row. And and honestly, at the time, I really thought this would, was not going to last. Like I thought there's no way they're going to be able to shut down the entire country, 330 million people uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to do this. And so I thought, you know, we'll do 24 hours. And, and the reason I was going to do 24 hours is to show people that you have to just get through a minute through an hour in a day. And that's yeah. how you get through the day. And that really started organically during the twenty four hour thing. We actually were calling it something different. And just throughout the day I just kept saying, you know, we're just trying to get through the minute, then I'm getting through the hour, then I'm getting through the day. And we'll do twenty four hours this way and 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 it, it it seemed to resonate not only with the audience, but it resonated with me as well. You know, I yeah. struggle with this thing as as much as anybody on on what we're doing and how we're doing it and if we're doing it right and if we should be doing it. Yeah. And uh uh and then after it was over you know i was exhausted and uh monday came and then tuesday came and then uh by friday i was like you know what uh, i got a lot out of it i hope people did but i got a lot out of it It gave me some sense of purpose uh, uh at least an outlet for my my comedy and my creativity and, and that kind of thing and i thought you know we maybe we would just sit down and and uh talk about life because you know a lot of stuff that i do in comedy is funny but you know nearly all of it is based on my real life so uh i thought i was going to be a preacher when i was 16 years old and and uh so in some ways you know we're fulfilling that prophecy now uh just mm-hmm. not with a a, a pulpit so
1: okay. yeah so. that's really really that's really cool i like that yeah the guy that, he's a co-host with me he's uh he's doing a zoom show tonight he's uh he'll zoom at churches all over the place instead of hitting the road like he'll be in Oregon one night and somewhere in Poughkeepsie the next and they I don't know how they do it but they all crowd around their little computer and a zoom file and then watch him <laughs> tell jokes but I have no power to him. He's found his niche so but that's what he is. He's a he's a pastor as well and, and like your comedy what fascinates me uh, you you and him both is that to me it seems way harder to deliver clean comedy than any dirty. I mean, dirty you get that quick laugh, but if you can deliver it without throwing out a cuss word, to me, that's just brilliant. And, and and you didn't ever capture that well. Like, was that a process to do that? Or were you ever at any time what they call blue? I guess that's what
3: they call it, going blue. Oh, yeah. So for the first five years of my career, I've been doing this now uh, in uh, May 17th. It'll be uh, 24 years. Oh wow! Uh, but I worked uh, five years. First five years, clean, squeaky clean. And then, uh, as I worked more and more, you know, it kept doing clubs. I got moved up real quick. But I, I got you know, bluer and bluer. And then uh, it all culminated in 2015 with a one-hour special on CMT. And mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, I mean, it was blue. It, it, it's still available. Uh, but it was, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it had all the cuss words in it and, uh, it it did well that, you know, we had 1.7 million people, but I still felt like, uh, something was missing, you know,
1: Uh Uh,
3: as I've described it since uh, it's always felt like, uh, yeah, but people would come up and go, man, I love your comedy, but it always felt like they, they wanted to say, yeah, but why'd you have to cuss so much? And what, yeah, but you know, and it works for some people, but it just doesn't, it wasn't working for me personal yeah. for me. Sure. And, uh, so one day I'm mowing the grass and I'm praying about it. And I rededicated my life uh, to Christ, uh, about three years ago and, and I'm mowing the grass and I'm like, you know, Lord, why don't you let me grab the brass ring? You know, <laughs> I was on the blue collar tour, you know, where I was, you know, the fifth guy signed with the same managers, uh, back yeah. in 2000. And, and then I had the CMT special and yet, uh, you know, uh, why, I, I still can't grab the brass ring. Why is that? And uh, just as sure as you and I are talking in my head, I, I hear the voice that says, uh, listen, I, I put you on a cruise ship for seven and a half years and you could change anything about your career. And the only thing you're willing to change is your name. And you wanted me to work the miracle. Uh-huh. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, you're waiting on me. Well, I've been waiting on you. And uh, I, I, uh, I, I made wholesale changes and I decided I I, I wasn't going to work dirty anymore and I was going to work clean and uh, so we cleaned up the act and, you know, it, it's still adult humor, but without the adult language, you know, it's still yeah. for grownups, you know, I uh, I don't know if I'm quite ready for the church circuit yet, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it it is a different process. You have to really think about you know what word fits and still gets a big laugh because uh the cussing words uh uh you're right they 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 uh, the k sound itself uh provokes uh laughter so you know we we just started getting creative and, and started writing and rewriting and and seeing what worked and talked about real life stuff that's still grown up stuff and uh it seems to be working two specials out now so yeah, you can watch them on Amazon Prime. I I, I really
1: dug that because that's that's my jam here when I'm at home.
3: Because <laughs> I
1: have a weekend job that I don't get to work right now because they closed it, so I'm I'm fishing for something. Because I'm a I'm a studier of the art of comedy. I, I tried it a few years back and uh, just didn't have enough time for it. Like I said, I know you understand being a parent. Same with me, but uh, I'm getting itched to get back into it. So I I, I watch it and study it and learn it. And, um, you know, if somebody, if I gravitate towards them, I think they just got it going on like you do. I just try to aggravate them a little bit and hunt them down. <laughs> try to, you know, because uh, everything you do, is, you know, it relates to me. You know, being from Tennessee and you're, you know, Texas guy. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know we're practically neighbors, so and I, and I like the way you do it. So I, I appreciate you know
3: talking to me. Uh,
1: you, you have a podcast as well. Uh,
3: you know, we have suspended it because uh, we do a, a podcast for broadcast. So uh-huh. we actually do it uh, for the uh, the country network, but we had to suspend it. It's, but it's called a, uh, a stand-up dad, yeah. and I take uh, folks from all walks of life, and I I, I talk about either, you know, if it, if it is a guy and they have kids, I talk about him being a parent, or if it's any other person who's not a dad, uh, we talk about maybe their dad and the good and the bad and the ugly of those things. And, and uh, so, yeah.
1: Cool. Um okay another thing i saw and you mentioned drums i'm a drummer as well but uh songwriter you also write songs what's that takes a ton of talent I, I don't have a knack for that uh how what's that process about do you have are you like your singer songwriter or do you pitch to musicians or, or, or what's your process
3: uh i write with uh guys that can play uh guitar so right uh, i do a lot of lyrics and uh uh so i it, it's really the writing process that you know with it goes along with, with not only writing a joke, but the same kind of writing process really goes into writing a song. You, know, you have an idea and, uh, and then you flush it out. And then, and then I take it to somebody with some talent and, uh, then we collaborate with the thing. So it, it's worked well. There, there are a couple of things that I put out that I didn't use a collaborator with. And, and, uh, one's called another day in December, which is a spoken word song. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, you know, it, it plays at Christmas time right now. It's You know, it's not as popular as Grandma ran, Got Ran Over by a Reindeer, but it's <laughs> doing yeah, <sure. soon> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, still get a residual check every now and again. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Uh, you know, every, every once in a while, I, I, I hit a singer-songwriter as well, and, you know, the, some of the songs they've written, I'm like, you know, uh, like I just talked to the guy that wrote Moon Over Georgia, uh, you know, and just had him be by fluke. It landed in the hands of Shenandoah in the 90s, and, you know, he's, everybody's listened to it within, you know, a good 30 or 40 years, and it's just like, you know, explaining the process to me has always been amazing, because it's one thing to tell a joke to somebody, like, oh, let me write that down, but to put your emotions to music, to me, is just the the bee's knees, I guess, I've always been interested in it, can't do well, it, but I
3: appreciate it. <laughs> it really is uh, my thing, too, you know, I, I got into, when I first knew I had the calling to uh, be in front of an audience, I guess I was probably you know four or five years old singing uh every sunday night either the old rugged cross or or uh something like that you know down uh victory in jesus uh mm-hmm. uh at the first evangelical methodist church by myself you know my mother was a singer not professionally because she had too many kids way too early but as mm-hmm. uh, she she uh sang uh uh solo all the time at church so she was she was the go-to gal for that thing so uh I've had that bug for my whole life too, so I understand. Yeah, it's it's a good one to have. Um, let's keep talking about
1: music. Uh, now the George Strait thing—that had to been nerve wracking. Uh, what what an uh, an opportunity that was! You can talk a little bit about that. That just fascinates me to no end because we're talking about King George here. So,
3: what what well, happened
1: with that situation?
3: I was in comedy all of less than two years, and uh, wow. I got a call. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, from a guy named Rick Gutierrez. And he said, Hey, I've been booked, uh, to, uh, uh, host this George Strait festival in San Antonio. And I said, man, that's amazing. The George Strait fest. Right. And I said, that's amazing. He goes, well, I'm really not their audience. And, and uh, you are. So how would you like to come and co-host it for me? And, uh, you'll go out and I'll go out and you go out and I go out. And, uh, of course and 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 the you know here's where uh being naive you know not knowing really saved me because i guess if i'd been in comedy too long i probably would have turned it down you know oh, yeah. what all could go wrong and what all uh you know uh so everything that that you the scenario that you run through your mind on on if you have any knowledge but i didn't have any of that knowledge so all i had was you know, gumption, and uh, the idea was, sure, let's go for it, and, uh, you know, then I found myself in San Antonio in front of 75,000 people (laughs) uh, going out, and I had the last set before George came uh, out, and they came to me, and they said, listen, we're out of time, so you're not going to be able to do your last set of comedy, and I thought, well, thank God, I've been out of comedy for about an hour now, brother, (laughs) so... uh, (laughs) Uh, and they yeah. said, but George feels real bad about it. Mr. Drake feels bad about it. And they would like for you to go uh, uh, out there and uh, introduce him. Now, we normally play the GMC uh, intro, but we're going to have you go out. And I was like, oh, that's fabulous. So yeah. uh, so they, I go out there. And I, before I got out there, I had one outfit to change into. I had a, a yellow uh, heavy starched button-down shirt. Uh, I had my wrangler jeans, and back then I used to wear them so tight, if I farted, it looked like a mouse run down my leg. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had my George straight hat, and back then I couldn't even grow a mustache or a beard, so I walked out. Oh, wow. and, and and the flashbulbs were popping, man. They yeah. thought I was King George walking <laughs> out there. As
1: soon as he said all that, I said, I bet, I bet when you walked out there looking like that, that's what they thought. He had <laughs> on a Stetson
3: hat and he was ready to go. Well, I, uh, uh, he wears resistol, by the way. and He does? <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, and and all I kept thinking all the way out there is I'm going to get out, you know, th- that's back when you had to get your film developed. And I thought these people were going to get their film back and, and start going, well, that George Strait is not that good looking in person. <laughs> <laughs> so I get there and I'm, I I get to the star spot, you know, and I'm like, do not rush this. And I mean, the crowd is going nuts. Yeah. And uh, finally, uh, I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor and a privilege. you welcome, George Strait and the Ace and the Hole Band." And the band <laughs> kicks off, and here he comes, the king himself. Yeah. And he sticks his hand out, and uh, he and I'm like, "Make sure you land on that hand, man, and squeeze it a little bit, because you don't want him thinking you're Mm-mm, right." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it is a straight fest after all. Yeah. And it is. Uh, <laughs> so I go. I get out there and he goes, uh, "Great job, kid," and I go,
1: <laughs> and he
3: turns and looks uh, at me like, "Dear Lord, we paid this kid." Yes, I hear you. And uh, but
1: yeah, that's my George Strait memory. That's that's a great one. That's 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 more than most have. I've I've had a couple of memories being out in the audience, and I tell you, when you get into an audience of that magnitude, like I've been to a CMA fest where he was, you know, the headliner, of one of the night.
3: The fragrances
1: of people, so many people crowded that close together, yeah. It's like you, you, you get these smells you never knew existed. It just I'll never forget any of that.
3: No, and it's an energy that you will never forget either. Yeah, it is. After- that, that,
1: it's a whole, it's a whole ball of yarn. It's like, like you said, there's so much going on. I'm like, what is this? Yes, yes it's an energy. There's something, there's just something in magnitude. He catches it. And even though I'm not a fan of her, Taylor Swift got the same thing. But that's more for your your, your <laughs> twins and what have you. But sure. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he always had that power. Let's uh, let's talk about oh oh I forgot to mention this. You are fans because you do the movies. I know you're about to do Jaws with everybody. Uh, you love Cinderella, man. I didn't know anybody else other than me that thought that was like one of the greatest movies ever made. But I, I adore yeah. it. I could watch it a hundred times a year.
3: I do, and right now it it makes more sense to me than ever. Yeah, you know, right now with everything that's going on in our lives, and and uh, you know, one minute you're at the top of the world, and the next minute, you know, uh, people want them to lick you in the eye. But there's also other lessons uh, that that you know really play into show business, and uh, one of them is from his manager, where I, I love it when Renee Zellweger goes to his house and it's empty and mm-hmm. she said i had no idea and he said well that was the whole point and and you know right now with social media everybody puts every single thought on social media right now yeah so nothing reserved nothing you know nothing to hold your hat on not, You know, so not not everybody has to know exactly what's going on. And I told my wife at one point, I said, you know, through all this thing, I want to be a duck (laughs) on the water. And she said, what does that mean? And I said, well, I want everybody seeing uh, that on top of the water, I'm smooth as all get out. But underneath, they don't know, but I'm kicking like some gun. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, you, you mentioned that, and I was thinking about this the other day.
1: Uh my, my grandfather, God bless him, he's 80 years old. And I, in his youth, I've seen maybe eight pictures that he's, he's still got. I don't know one of them, but, you know, they're, <laughs> they're few and far between. Right. And then I got to thinking that even with me, my grandkids, it's, it's going to go for my generation. Hey, here's a few pictures of from my grandfather. To, hey, here's a picture of my granddad every day of the life. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> There's well, really, like, so, if ahead. they know your granddaddy's password, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, do they know? Yeah, do they know how to get in there and get the fishing? Um, if not, if, they're like, uh, here's uh, no pictures of your granddaddy because he had them all on his phone and never saved any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're in the cloud somewhere, yeah, they're uh, um, in the cloud somewhere, just like he is.
1: <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> One more thing, and, and like I said, I appreciate you talking to me. I wanted to mention your Cowboys who Care, your, your your charity and everything. I think that's a wonderful thing. If we could talk about that, and then, uh, like I said, I won't take up too much more of your time.
3: Absolutely. Well, Cowboys of Care uh, started with a young lady named Ashley Miller. Now, she was 12 years old when I met her, and uh, her parents asked me to put my name on a golf tournament raise some money for her. She had a rare form of cancer, and I was happy to do that. And I got to know Ashley and her mom and dad. And then her cancer goes into remission. And it came back with a vengeance. And little Ashley lost her battle with cancer in June of 2011. Mm. And uh, on the way home, we were asked to go to the prayer vigil on the night before they they uh, uh, took her off for of life support. And on the way home, I pulled over. I I just couldn't take it. And I and uh, my wife drove. And and uh, I knew I wanted to help, but didn't know how at the time. I was part of the tough enough to wear pink program. Yeah. And I was wearing pink, you know, for Wrangler, but I really didn't know why and whether or not it was helping or not. And uh and uh but I knew I wanted help and then I couldn't figure it out and I kept praying about it and thinking about it. And then I found myself on a ship and they put me in a room and this is important to the story. Yeah. Uh but they put me up in a in a room uh in a cabin that had twin beds. Right, and I'm six-two, and I was ticked off. You know what am I doing here? You know uh, why they got me living in a closet? And I was I was absolutely upset about the whole thing. And and uh, but next day or so, I'm still trying to figure out this kids cancer thing. And I just Google kids with cancer images, and all these big, bright, beautiful faces, beautiful smiles, and bald heads. And in the mirror, I see my cowboy hat up on the second bunk, and I wouldn't have been able to see it. It wouldn't have been in that position if I wasn't in that bunk. So what I thought was something I shouldn't have been at, it was exactly where I should have been to get the answer I was looking for. And that's when it hit me, well, these kids need cowboy hats. What seven-year-old wants to wear a wig, but what seven-year-old wouldn't want to wear a cowboy hat? Yeah. So we formed Cowboys of Care Foundation, me and my wife, and and, uh, in the last eight and a half years now, we've given way – uh, right at ten thousand, random is just all cowboy hats all across the country. That is awesome. No, yeah, those are sharp hats. That's that's got to be a great feeling for you to do that. Well, we get a lot out of it, just like like I said with the podcast, but we get a ton out of it as well. So, it's uh, it. There's nothing better than a, a, a smile from a kid. And, yeah. uh I can't cure cancer. Uh, you know, I have no idea what to do there, but I can. I do know about smiles. And uh, that that seems it seems to be a program that people can relate to. Absolutely, that's awesome. Well, God bless you. you
1: got a You got a great heart, not only just being hilarious.
3: And I'm glad
1: to get to know you. Um, anything else you want to tell everybody? And I'll let you go about your business.
3: <laughs> no, just take care of yourself and each other. And if you if you get a chance on my Facebook, it's uh, comedian William Lee Martin. Comedian William Lee Martin, and I do a live daily talk at four o'clock every day. And then every Saturday at uh, nine o'clock, uh, we don't watch the movie because that'd be against the F.C. rules. So I play a movie, and it has to be over my shoulder. Now, whether or not people have to see it in the background, I I, I have no idea what people can see in technology. I'm over fifty. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and that's the I story. I'll that's the story I'll stick with, Your Honor. Uh, yeah, I hear you. That's that's what we're playing <laughs> with
0: that. Super psyched about this next guest on the podcast, Mike Wadford. He's an actor out of Los Angeles, California, Hollywood, if you can believe it, boys and girls. He's playing my favorite musical person, Rick Hall. Rick Hall's the guy that put, the producer that put Muscle Shoals Alabama on the map at Fame Studios. He's playing his character in the new Aretha Franklin Biopic Respect. It was really a thrill to get to talk to him and talk about his origin story, how he grew up really close to where Rick Hall grew up, and how he came to play the part. That uh, was really exciting. That's up next. Josh Belker and Trotter Podcast. Here we go.
1: Got so excited. I, I live in Tennessee about an hour from, to me, the greatest place on Earth, and found out you're playing, you know, the most brilliant producer, Rick Hall in the new biopic of Aretha. I just yep. had to talk to you about it, and just thank you for taking the time. Could you just kind of elaborate to us what an experience that had to be? It had to be one of the coolest things ever.
4: Well, it, it was a fantastic experience, especially because uh, I grew up in Muscle Shoals. I was, uh, I, was oh, actually, yeah, I, I was raised actually, yeah, I was raised actually in Franklin County and uh, Russellville and uh, Muscle Shoals area, and um, and Rick and you know Jimmy Johnson and you know all those guys. Um, were sort of the local heroes when I grew up. Uh, long before I even ever thought about acting, yeah. yeah, we all knew who who those guys were, and uh, and Rick, of course, was um, you know uh, as far as bringing it to national prominence. I mean, he was the one that really started the the scene there. There were people before him who who um, who got some recordings going and and that sort of stuff, but he, he was the one that really brought it. To national prominence and um so he was a local legend you know and yes. when i did when i i also played music and when i started playing music you know his music uh uh was the uh, the music that he recorded and produced was a was a big influence on me as as you would imagine growing sure. up down there so um you know i i had worked with the director Lisel tommy um oh. many years ago well not many but years ago on um on a a show in New York at the, uh, public theater. And also, uh, the writer Tracy Scott Wilson wrote the play and I was playing another guy from Alabama. (laughs) And, uh, and so, um, that's how we got to know each other, the three of us. And we sort of formed this mutual admiration society and we all liked each other quite a bit and we're looking for the next opportunity to work. Um, I had actually helped to create a show that we did down there in the shoals area called I'll take you there. It was a musical about all the music that was created down there and, awesome. uh, it was produced by the university of North Alabama. And, uh, you know, we came down there with, uh, Randall Myler who wrote and directed the Hank Williams lost highway, musical that I also did many years ago. And we had George went come down there and, um, and a a fantastic band and group of singers and put together a a really cool show. And that's when I really started getting to know those guys. Um, became pretty good friends with Jimmy Johnson before he passed away. And Uh I became sort of, uh, immersed in in, in the world in a way and in that world in a way that I had never imagined that I would be. And was so honored to, to really get to know those guys and, 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 calling my friend and well i found out that lisa had landed the job of directing uh respect and of course i knew the story about her coming down to muscle Shoals, and um, that's really when her career turned a lot of people don't realize but the world didn't really know aretha franklin until she came to muscle shows she was at that point um they had her doing you know jazz standards kind of trying to make her an ella fitzgerald and it wasn't really hitting and, uh, so, um, you know, they brought her down, uh, to work with Rick and they wanted the, they wanted the sound that, that, uh, he had created. And, um, and I, of course I knew the story and I found out that, uh, that Lisa was directing it and I, I, I just called her and said, look, I was born to play this role. You know, there's nobody else yeah. who you need to get for, for <laughs> this. And I was... I, I was nervous about that because, you know, it's a it's a bold move. Um you, you uh especially with her being a friend of mine, you don't wanna go on to strain that friendship and be like, Hey, put me in your movie uh, but I was delighted when she her reply back was uh I wrote the part for you. So um, Yeah. That was that was pretty cool and uh it was awesome, man. I I, I got to uh I talked to everybody, I interviewed everybody that worked down there, everybody he knew and we talked to his wife Linda quite a bit and his son Rodney quite a bit and uh you know, uh David Hood and, and Spooner and all those guys and I actually had a chance I was able to uh to get uh Linda Hall and Rodney Hall, his his widow and his son and and um as well as Spooner, his wife and David Hood and his wife all uh invited down to set. We were shooting in Atlanta. So Oh man.
1: Goosebumps, mm-hmm. man! Give me goosebumps here. Yeah, it was
4: it was pretty <laughs> great, man. I, I got to say, they recreated the old uh, studio, and it looked perfect. And um, you know, I I felt honored to be sort of a conduit between my roots um, and this uh, you know Hollywood thing that was happening. And and luckily, um, they 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 put me in that position and and sort of. Uh, uh let me introduce them to the realities of that world they took the muscle shows part of it very seriously as you know that's that's just one step in aretha's story but a yep. really important step and yes you know the the story of what happened between rick and and aretha or you know really more more noticeably aretha's husband um is is kind of legendary down there and Mm-hmm. I, I was just honored to honored to do it. I was, I was sorry that uh, Rick and, and, and or and Jimmy weren't with us and aren't with us anymore and won't be able to see it. But uh, yeah, uh, I was proud. I was proud to do yeah.
1: it. Well, I tell you, before you even said that, you know, see, seeing the roles you played before prior to this, as you know, an authoritative figure playing police officers and everything, you sound like Rick with your accent anyway. But <laughs> But Rick... And well, I mean, we have the same accent. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. come from There's the same place, you know. So. I've, got, yeah, I've got a little bit of it myself. But um, uh, another thing I, I liked is that... Uh, well, I lost my chance, though. Um, with you playing those those figures, you've played kind of like the dominant male figure. Rick didn't put up with a lot of crap. He When he nope. was behind that board, that yeah. was everything. Because he, he was making hits. He was hungry to make that next one. He said mm-hmm. it. Um, I got to interview him right before he passed away, which is a thrill oh, great. of dreams. Right when he wrote his book. And you know good as gold, but you know that that's why it's called the hit making capital of the world there because mm-hmm. it's all business. And, and when I saw it they graduated, it, like, oh man, I got to figure out how to find it, but yeah, perfect fit um and uh not to not to switch subjects, but uh before when I knew the movie was brewing, and was some listening to Mark Marion, you got to work with Mark Marion. what's he like mm-hmm.
4: Mark was great uh he played Jerry Wexler, and yep. um you know Jerry's obviously a uh, uh a, a big figure in Rick's life and a big figure in Aretha's life as well, and uh, mm-hmm. and um, I, I loved working with, with with him because, you know, he, for a guy that's uh, ha, has such a, a worldwide popularity, um, he comes in with no pretension about what he's doing. He listens when when you're in a scene. He uh, he knows when uh it's his time to take control and when someone else has control he's got an excellent give and take and a lot of that i think comes from a comedy background because you know to 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 do comedy you have to understand beats and you have to understand moments and uh it, uh the same with marlon wayans by the way who uh i think is going to surprise a lot of people uh oh, yeah with this movie he he uh he certainly surprised me and i mean that as a as an absolute compliment uh He's much more than just a comedic actor. He he is going to really uh, surprise a lot of people. But uh, but Mark was fantastic, and we had a lot of fun. He's a guitar player, and I'm a guitar player, and yep. you know we talked to guitars and uh, sat around and picked and and uh, just kind of kind of had a good time. And and like I said, you know they put me in this position of sort of educating the people that didn't know the story of Muscle Shoals and. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, and I was honored to do that. So he was really into, to, to learning about that and gave me a really nice shout out on the show. Um, that's cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was cool. I didn't even know that he did. And, uh, you know, someone was like, Hey, Mark Maron's talking about you right now. And the first thing I thought was, <laughs> Oh God, is probably is he, is it nice? Because, you know, I mean, If he doesn't like you, that's the thing. And it's great. You know where you stand with Mark because if he doesn't like you, he's he's not going to mess with it. He'll tell you straight up what it feels, you know.
1: Yeah. But if he does, it's good because he's only got about three million listeners two or three times a week. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that's pretty good. But, you know, you was talking about – uh music and, and i just got turned on to it but i really enjoy you know your, your approach to music with, with Stumpwaller, you know and you getting on there and, and entertaining people here while everybody's stuck inside which is you know like me i'm sure a lot of people are grateful but man you guys are groovy uh you, you sound pretty tight with these boys you guys touring everything and that young lady as well
4: we've we've been playing now for about 10 years um you know, we've got some I, I'm lucky, man. I, I, I've got some great musicians in, in Stump Waller. Uh, you know, my drummer Deacon, who is uh the, the first member of the band that that I got in, uh he's a Grammy winner. He's um one of the most sought after drummers here in L A and uh he he's just incredible and I'm lucky that he's my friend so he keeps playing with me. <laughs> you know.
3: Yeah. Same
4: same deal with uh Jason, um ace gonzalez the guitar player and uh my bass player abe uh, um you know the core of they've been always been sort of the core of the band other people have come and gone as you know fill-ins and replacements has rotated around um uh brianne uh campbell um who's singing with us right now she's one of our we have a, a few uh, uh ladies that sing with us and um i've been lucky because uh, they're really good and um we really enjoy playing together. We have a friendship that's that's deep, and that goes into the music. And I think that's why we can we can crank it up and and, and stay tight um, yeah. through through this whole thing. But um, yeah, I, I'm really lucky to have those guys. We 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 do tour a little bit. We mostly play in the L.A. area, and mm-hmm. that's by design because um, I have to sort of keep music as my secondary uh, yeah, yeah. path um otherwise things get messy then you have to make a choice and uh you know I, i just have to keep it i just have to keep the music under my thumb and where i can do it when and where i want to And luckily we've been able to i've you know refused uh some small record deals and things like that just because we can't really deal with that you know um we just have to – or I should say I can't really deal with it. I can't commit to that sort of thing given the the the, the other career that I have. So
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's doing good for it. But, but, yeah, i like said the band's awesome. And uh, the reason I, I really have an affinity for, for the rockabilly sound because once a year we're lucky enough here in Nashville at the Nashville Palace, like, before he passed, God rest his soul, Sleepy LaBeef, and then Fluke Holland mm-hmm. would bring his band. I know you're into Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they do rock and yeah. Billy Man. They just tear the roof off that place. Got the doghouse bass going, and just yeah. it, it, it's an art form that uh, once you get in there and that place gets you rocking, I mean, you just can't help but dance. I see people up there, even with no rhythm up there, just booging. So uh, that's why yep. I asked if you've ever been around this way, because I think you'd be perfect in that lineup. Like I said, they do it yearly. Um, John Snyder kind of throws in a little bit that he was in the Dukes of Hazard. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like a, an annual thing. I didn't know if you would ever come out this far. That's why I was asking. Uh,
4: you know, I've never, uh, I've never played in Nashville, but, um, you know, been there many times coming from the Shoals area and uh, uh, I go up there. I've been to the Nashville film festival uh, a couple yeah, yeah. Times and, yeah. and that sort of thing, but uh, never played there, but that sounds interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'll look into that the problem that we always have. uh getting out for, for gigs like that is that uh, you know when you're when you're based on one end of the country and yeah. you're trying to go to the other end, uh you either gotta have somebody that's willing to to really put out a heavy investment to get you there or you gotta yeah. tour your way out there to get there. And um, you know, those things are, are, are hard to do given the the sort of the um like I said, the parameters that I have to keep the band in. I, I can't really most of our tours are like a week, you know, sure, so uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. we just kind of run out and run back. I um, I can't commit to like a two, three-month tour like a lot of bands can, you know. Oh, yeah, understandable, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I was just thinking that, you know, because uh, like uh, they just opened uh, Johnny Cash's. It's called the Hideaway Farm in mm-hmm. Bonacqua. It's way out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a perfect place for you, even if you just come out with your guitar and sit up there and play. His, his uh, nephew, Tommy's son runs the place and they do like yeah. a story time and it's just it's awesome and he bought the colonel tom parker's house and they had to uh they tore it down and put a car wash in its place but he kept all the insides and the guts and the bathtub he has a water fountain now it's just the coolest thing ever well <laughs> i think there'd
4: probably be a lot of people that might have cured and they tore down colonel tom parker's house but um <laughs> you know yeah. maybe right. i mean i don't know I, let's just say he uh, he had one hell of a deal. <laughs> oh no! Let's good. just yeah. say I don't think any agent in the history of entertainment has ever had a deal like he had. But uh, I, yeah, you know, some might say actually, he was yeah. kind of kind of ripping him off a little bit. But but yeah, who am I? Yeah,
1: and then you know he he kept Elvis from some big opportunities. He was going to be in the yeah. Stars Born, and mm-hmm. He was going to be in True Grit, but pulled him out because they wouldn't put him top billing over John Wayne. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but this is the story. <laughs>
4: See, I didn't I know. Him. I didn't know any a those stories. Can't imagine. You know, had yeah. they, those two movies would have helped legitify, uh, give him legitimacy as an actor. He yeah. never really reached that. He yeah, was more, more of just a. Uh, I mean, let's say some of his. I don't know how many of the movies. I'm a pretty big Elvis fan. I've ever at his records, uh, RCA nice. records, and um, you know I've seen most of the movies, and uh, most of them are. Let's face it, they're they're a little B grade. Um, yeah, but there are some good ones. You know, um, especially some of the "Love Me Tender," really good one, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, "G.I. Blues." I think is a is a, a really good one, but um, you know the. He never really reached legitimacy as far as that goes, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, they they pumped out so many, like you said, back to back to the Colonel. There's don't tell him what kind of thing he worked out for him to the point it was just like some of the movies were kind of just like Tom filling gimmicks like Clambake and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But yeah, I'm I'm with you there. But uh, yeah, he uh, like I said, the only reason I was thinking about him is because the guy that owns that cash museum built a special thing behind it. and, put like pieces of his house out there because they, mm-hmm. the rest of it was like stone wall. They couldn't tear it all down. So, but it it's been on the list. <laughs> well, you know, I do
4: love Johnny Cash and I do have, I actually, uh, sometimes we, we go out and tour a little bit with a Johnny Cash act yeah, yeah, every now and then. And, um, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, we just do periodically, uh, just for love of that music. Um, and, uh, kind of just do like sort of casino tours and things like that. But, uh, It's a lot of fun, and man, people, as you, uh, I'm sure know, people respond to Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, I I remember uh, we were doing a casino out in, um, uh, shoot, I don't know if it was Albuquerque or Santa Fe, somewhere in New Mexico, and uh, and there was, and they didn't, the place, you know, turned into like uh, there was almost a riot over with (laughs) like you know, 70 to 80 year olds. Fighting over chairs, literally fighting each over. Uh, they didn't have enough chairs in there, so wow, there was a lot of retirees in there about about the rumble. Uh, yeah. But it was uh, <laughs> that's crazy. But it, but he does. He speaks to people. He's always been able to do that, and that's that's why I think I was drawn to him at an early age is because he, he. You know, I always wanted to be a singer, but. I was always more more of a songwriter and guitar player um mm-hmm. when I started off in music and I was scared to death of singing and um I think it was Johnny that that finally it broke his music broke through to me one day I was listening and went you know what I can do that yeah. and uh it gave me the gave me the the um
1: guts to 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 go out there the confidence you know yeah I hear it and and I've had the opportunity to to watch him perform and listen to flute not Johnny, but flute Highland w s mm-hmm. the only drummer he ever had, and had the opportunity to sit with him a few times and just hear some mm-hmm. of the stories he's told they're yeah. just they're priceless, you know
4: well, he was the you all, you know he was also Johnny's bus driver too,
1: yeah, and so. i I knew that before he was with Johnny, he also was with Carl Perkins a little bit, didn't know mm-hmm. that, but he was yeah, but i mean he's he's seen it all and then some, so I just always thought that was. Awesome, but yeah, he he uh, he served a lot of different different hats in his you know forty plus year career with the Man in Black.
4: Well, I just can't imagine you know uh, the grind of the tour, um, and uh, yeah, going uh, playing a date, uh, having quick turnarounds, and most musicians are sleeping on the bus. You know, it's it's just kind of amazing that he wanted and he insisted on it through through most of his career of. Driving the bus for Johnny, yeah. he said, uh, well, one of Johnny's stories was the the, the uh, closest fluke ever came to leaving him was one time Johnny got on the bus and, dr- and decided he was going to drive it, he was like, no, <laughs>
3: yeah. no, you you
4: go, you drive the bus, then I quit the bank, you know, I so, you. wow, that's crazy.
1: All right, my man. Well, hey, thank you for the honor of just sharing mm-hmm. all that stuff with me. I really appreciate it. Let's, uh, yeah. let's tell everybody how they can listen to you with this these social media, and Facebook Live, you're doing and everything. Well, uh, we're we're trying to do it
4: uh, every Tuesday, um, uh, so I don't know when this is going to go out, but um, the, uh, we're trying to do it at 4 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesday. So we happen to be talking to each other on a Tuesday, so there is one today. <laughs> yeah, I'm going right to assume on. that's not when this one's when people will hear this. But yeah. um, but uh, uh, tune in on uh, uh, Mike underscore Watford, that's M-Y-K, Watford, W-A-T-F-O-R-D, um, on Instagram. It'll be on Instagram Live. And you can also find uh, my my actor page on Stump Waller as well, uh, on the Facebook as well as the Stump Waller Facebook page. And it'll be going on Facebook Live on all of those. Um, yeah. Every Tuesday for a while, we're just calling it. We're just having a drink and a song. We have a little drink to the to the essential workers and uh, sing a song. It's you know five to seven minutes in and out. Nobody gets hurt. Doesn't take a big <laughs> uh, commitment and uh, be great to to come out and 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 support. Um, we're trying to support some of our musicians who aren't as lucky as I am to have other careers and other things to fall back on. And you know I, I got guys in my band that tour the world and, um, you know, like I said, uh, one Grammy-winning artist who now have no way to make money, and um, mm-hmm. so uh, we've had some people chip in and donate little bits to help them out, and that that's fantastic, too. I encourage everyone out there to support local music. It's a really big deal. Anybody can go and, you know, put on uh, uh, Spotify or, you know, buy a Rolling Stone record and all that stuff's fantastic, but... The guys that are that are that are working in the local scenes, wherever you are, and in, in, in the country, whatever uh, city town you're in, guys that are playing the bars and the venues there, they need your support right mm-hmm. now, especially more than anything. So, yeah, I encourage everybody to find a musician that you like, a, a local band that you like, and and try to help them. Don't ask for a free record or a free t-shirt; just buy it. You know, it costs the same as a drink. If you're going yeah. out to a bar, you might as you know save yourself one drink and buy a cd you know absolutely that, um, yeah preach it that's so we'll be there at, <laughs> we'll be there at 4 p.m for the next few tuesdays at least and hopefully going forward and uh hope that you enjoy it if you don't if you don't make it live it'll still be up there to see stump waller uh on uh facebook and um mike underscore watford
0: on instagram And that wraps up this week's edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart listening. Special thanks to my guests, Mike Watford, Alexandra Kay, William Lee Martin. And like I said, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Without you, it would be meaningless. It would be pointless. Um, without anybody to talk to, I'm basically just having a one-on-one conversation with people. <laughs> so thank you so much. Tune in next week. We've got a Mother's Day special with two women who are mothers to two of the fam- most famous people on planet Earth. And my mother, Odessa, even chipped in, did a little bit of interviewing with me. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And like I said, I love you for you and where you're at in life. Stay, ha- ugh, stay safe, happy, and healthy during this COVID-19, everything's getting back to normal. Pace yourselves, protect yourselves, and pretty soon we'll be able to put all this behind you. Thank you so much. Have a great week, and I will catch you later, alligator.